to another episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is Ashley. Ashley tells her story, and I mean, she tells her story. And it has some wild turns and, you know, and a lot of behaviors that are like a lot of us addicts that are going to relate to, you know, the behaviors that she had. I mean, you know, we're going to get into it. We're also going to show some before and afters. And there's a big transformation, you know, from where she was then, and I think to where she is now. It's She's doing an amazing job. So enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Ashley. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, sit down and talk with me. Heck yeah, um, thanks. You are the third girl from Ohio, I believe, I've talked to now and had on a show, and I'm not even from Ohio. That's just pure coincidence. Like, it's so crazy. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so how much time do you have? Right now, I just celebrated two years at the beginning of August. Okay. And, yeah, because you had a big difference between you then to you now. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll Absolutely. even have I'll have the picture come across, like, for the viewers so they can see the difference, you know what I mean, from before okay. and after. Because that, you know, yeah, you're killing it now. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> What was it like then, though? I mean, how long was that addiction for? Uh, ten years. Ten years. So how old were you when you got sober two years um, ago? How old was I? Well, how old are you now? <laughs> I turned backwards. 30 this year. Okay, I'm so you're 28. So 27. Okay. And so you started as a teenager then. You started out. Oh, yeah. So what did you start out with first, with drinking? Drinking and smoking pot when no. I was 12 and 13. So, yeah, you were young, young. But oh, it wasn't, yeah. But it wasn't like you were out of control yet? No. I, then it was um, the group of people I was around. So they were doing it. So I kind of did it because that's it what was, they were doing. It was the thing to do. Right. Um, so... When did, like, things change to where, like, you know, you were drinking or smoking to escape? You know, um, I really, I don't think I really noticed it until I started experimenting with opiates. Um, because I noticed that that's when I got the relief from my anxiety. Um, okay. because that, um, that's the first time I can remember actually thinking, oh my gosh, I need to use before I do this because I was giving a presentation and I had to speak in front of everybody and I knew I was going to be much more calm and cool if I was high. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's what I was looking for. Okay. So that's the first time you were like. Okay, I need to do this first in order to do this. Yes. Okay, now, so if you were drinking and smoking, um, that was just for fun, the people you were with. Um, do you have any brothers or sisters? I'm always curious. Yeah, I have an older brother. He's six years older than me. Okay, um, and is he a normie, or is he, like, right with us? He's very normal. So straight <laughs> edge, we are total opposite. That's what I thought, yeah. That's how I am with my brother and sister, too. I'm the... I'm the black sheep kind of, and they're the ones that are, like, good, <laughs> you know? Yes. Okay, so were, so you had bad anxiety then as a teenager. Yeah, I it was a lot of, like, 
social anxiety. Um, like if it was just me and maybe like one other, two other people, like that was okay with me. But being like in, I mean, then classroom, like in big groups of people, I don't like that. Like speaking. I mean, I even still get nervous speaking. And now it's kind of like something that makes me feel good. Cause like I'll go places and speak in front of, front of big groups of people, like about recovery. And even though I'm nervous, like it's something that makes me feel good doing it. So yeah. And you know, it's you can, different now. <laughs> yeah. You can pass along a message. Like I think doing a presentation in like high school, you're like using somebody else's word. You know what I mean? Like sure. you're talking about somebody else, but I think it's a lot easier when like, we're talking about our own lives and like the shit we've been through. Like it makes it yeah. easier to like open up, especially like in AA and the programs where you know they're not judging you. You know, like you know that when they're laughing, it's because they're not laughing at you, they're laughing with you because they did that shit themselves. Exactly. You know, like that's something I learned early on. I'm like, are they laughing at me? And they're like, No, laughter is good. <laughs> laughing means they agree. They did that shit too. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so when did you discover opiates then? Because I know I was like off to the races when I discovered them. Uh, opiates, I was a junior in high school. So it was 2008, 2009. Can I guess that it was Roxy's? It, we were started out um, doing them smaller. Like it was just like Vicodin and like Perk 5s and 10s. You know what I mean? Like, and that was even like, I don't even think we really even understood like what they were. You know what I mean? Like it was just, and it was so weird because it was just like all of a sudden, like that's what everybody was doing. Like I, like that's really how it was. You know what I mean? And nobody knew anything about like being sick or, you know what I mean? Like needing them. Yeah, you it's, yeah. Then yeah, you don't realize it until like I remember that I didn't even know what I was withdrawing until the second time it happened. And then I was like, oh, that's what that was the first time. You know what I mean? Like the first time I had withdrawals, I thought I was really just sick. You know? And then yeah. the second time I got withdrawals, I I was like, Oh, this is because of the pills. I guess I'll keep doing pills then. Right. You know, it's you know? not like I was like, JD, you got to stop now because look how it's affecting you. I'm like, well, I got to take away this pain. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I was like, you know, I've already come too far. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I can remember the first time I woke up sick um, and I was in high school and I was engaged at the time and living with him. Wait, wait, wait. And... Let's, wait, wait. let's back up, Ashley. Let's back up. <laughs> You just like you just skipped over you being engaged in high school and living with this dude in high school, okay? I can't okay, just Okay, so just listen. <laughs> so I part when I was partying with like weed and alcohol at twelve and thirteen, um, that's what I did for a little bit until I met my first boyfriend when I was in the eighth grade. So I was like 14. Um, he used harder drugs. So that's when I started using LSD and ecstasy on an almost regular basis. Um, I would do it 
and go to school, which really didn't even make any sense. You know what I mean? Like going to school on ecstasy because like it just, it didn't make any sense. And I remember like not even having fun doing it, but I did it more than one time. But was he in your what, grade? What's that? Was he your age? He was two grades ahead of me, but he was like cool and dropped out. So <laughs> he Super didn't go cool. to school anymore. Super cool guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. and he was like in and out of juvenile detention and stuff, but he was the guy that like, he was the bad guy and all the girls yeah. wanted to date him. So, and he like wanted Sean to go Hunter. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> so um I partied with him. We were together for actually a couple years and uh I can remember towards the end of our relationship, that's when he um he started doing pills, but not to where I seen him doing them like on a regular basis. I can just remember seeing him do them every so often. And um we ended up breaking up and shortly after that is when I started um doing pills and like I said I was a junior in high school and um my senior year is when I met um Michael who became my husband um he had just gotten out of the military and had thousands and thousands of dollars in the bank um I was 18 and he moved me in with him within like a month and added me to his bank account and put me on his cell phone plan and all that. So like, that was awesome to me. And like, I was still in high school. So, um, how was, so you were 18 though at this time, like you were, you turned 18 early in senior, like I yeah. turned 18 in September. So my senior year, I was 18 the entire yeah, time. I turned, um, my birthday is October 1st. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so let me get, let me just catch up now. Um, so you turn 18, you're meeting this guy, you start dating him within a month. He's like, move on in. How are mom and dad about this? Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, wanted, well, I mean, they, they liked they, them. at this time, like I did okay in school, you know, like I, they just believed anything I said, you know what I mean? So I don't think anybody realized I had a problem yet. So when I moved out, and love, got, you, and know. The, you know what I mean? They were happy, like, whatever, you know what I mean? He's going to take care of her. Cool. Yeah. I mean, Romeo and Juliet were 16. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's her dog. Great too. Uh, <laughs> I know. So, um, when I get with him and he's got all this money, um, he had just um, started experimenting with pills. And um, at that time, that's when I got introduced to like stronger ones. And um, we're doing, we call them perk 30s. Okay. Um, we call them Roxy's, John's, Blues. There's so many different names for them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when I started doing those. And like I said, he had money, so that wasn't an issue. And like, um, so I never really had to go sick. And that's when, you know, it came to the point where I don't even remember what happened. I don't, there's no way we were broke. 
I probably just couldn't find anything and we were sick or something. I don't know. I just remember when we woke up sick and I was like, I really feel like I have the flu. And he was talking like he thought like he had the flu and like he had a friend who was a nurse who also was a user as well. So he ended up calling him and he was like, you're withdrawing. I was like, no way. I don't withdraw. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that doesn't happen to me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought, like, it was different for me, I guess. And then he was like, no, I'm telling you, like, you're sick. He's like, try to get something. And we ended up finding something. And I wasn't sick anymore. And I was off to the races after that. Yeah, once you find that little cure-all, that all you have to do is get high again, you won't be sick anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a dangerous, you know, thing. Like I said, it would be nice to think back and be like, uh, well, we shouldn't do that anymore. This way I don't have to feel sick. But no, that's not what our brains do. Our brains say, don't let me be sick because we love this feeling too much. Exactly. It's kind of like when you're drinking and you're throwing up at the end of the night and you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to drink again. Or when you wake up with your hangover and you're like, I'm never going to drink again. And then. You're drinking again. You're drinking again. <laughs> yep. Exactly. That's exactly how it happens, unfortunately. And, you know, there's a lot of people, though, and, you know, they don't end up in the rooms that we end up in and where they do the drug, they feel sick, and they're like, I'm never doing that again. And yeah. unfortunately, we just don't fall into that category. Yeah, it's not like that for me. So when you say off to the races, now, what does this race entail for Miss Ashley in um, late teens, early 20s, <laughs> newly married. Now you're just like in high old time with purpose. Um, yeah, so now this is when um, I started to meet more people that I could buy from. And uh, I met somebody with a really good connect. And so I got plugged in with somebody else that I were I was getting more for cheaper so I started selling them to support my habit because I really wasn't making anything I really can remember like separating stuff to be like okay this is what I need to sell to make my money back and this is profit yeah I I would need to sell this many every day so I can do three for free every day like it was so stupid and So that's what I started doing, and then um, I actually graduated high school, and I decided I was going to go to college and become a drug counselor because, you know, I'd rather talk to somebody who's strung out and everything, or who has been strung out, you know what I mean, not currently strung out. So I'm like, you know, um, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to move away, um, the college I was looking into is Hocking College. It's three hours away in Nelsonville. Um, so I moved down there, and I can remember um, when me and Michael were moving, I was like, you know, we're going to take this many pills down with us, and we're just going to do them, and that's going to be it, and we're done. And he's like, all right, that's what we're doing. I'm like, all right. So... <laughs> We can move all our stuff down and all that. And uh, I think the pills lasted us like two days. And uh, then we made it two days without anything. And um, then we started to get really sick. 
like I said, um, I was three hours away from, you know, where I live, um, originally. So, um, I didn't know anybody down there. So we drove three hours to come, <laughs> come get high. And we drove every weekend. We were buying enough, um, Cause like I said, uh, he was in the military, so he was receiving money from getting discharged and he was going to school as well. So he was getting GI yeah. bill money. Yeah. So just a lot of free money. Yeah. Um, so we were coming up and buying enough on the weekend to last during the week and then drive back up, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And like I said, I was going to school to be a drug counselor. Um, it was called social services, criminal justice, and corrections. So I'm sitting in class and I can remember like looking around and hearing people talk and like a lot of those people were like felons and you know what I mean? And I'm hearing them talking and they're like in and out of jail and stuff. And I'm like, okay. So after class, like I'm talking to people and then I'm meeting people down there. So I'm just, you know what I mean? I thought I was going to move away and things are going to be better, but you know what I mean? And then even being down there, there wasn't like just fives and tens or thirties. That's when like I was introduced to Opanas and those are like <clears throat> super strong. I can remember Nobody told me anything about him. I mean, I just knew it was a pain pill. So, I mean, I assumed it was going to make me feel better. So, that's what we got. And we did the whole thing. I can remember we did this whole pill and I was sick for like two days. Because it, it was like too much. Yeah. So, I mean, I learned after that. And then um, that's what I started doing while I was down there. Because that's what was available. And, uh, I mean, I still was, I went to school. Um Michael went to school. I did all right, you know, like um I looked for a job while I was down there. Um but in southern Ohio, I live in northern Ohio. When I moved, I moved to southern Ohio. And it's near West Virginia and Kentucky. And the economy down there is supposed to be like the worst. Like I don't know, throughout Ohio and I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. And I, uh, after a while, I mean, we were doing drugs, so we were buying drugs and not paying the bills. And it got to the point where like the bills, they were going to come repo the car and like rent was getting behind. And so I had to drop out of school. I mean, at least I can say I had to drop out of college because of that. And like, not because of my grades, I didn't fail out. So yeah, I didn't complete school, but. And then I moved back to... School's not going anywhere, though. You know, school doesn't yeah. go anywhere. You know, and you know, what What were you really, really learning as you were getting high as shit anyway? Right. You know, maybe you're a good test taker, and you can fool them getting... Pull, up, pull down a C average. Or yeah. B average. But what are you really taking from it anyway? School's not right. going anywhere. That's the one thing that's never going anywhere. That's what I always tell everybody. It's, it's going to be there. They want our money. It's right. not going anywhere. Yeah, now I'm like $12,000 in debt for an almost two-year degree. I don't, you know what I mean? I didn't get it. It could be worse. It could be worse. It so could you, be worse. you go back home now. You you leave school and you go back home, right? Yep. Okay, now what's going on? And Michael come with you? Yep. 
Okay. Um, so I'm living at my parents' house with him. He, we move in with my parents. Um, and we live in a laundry room with a mattress on the floor, washer and dryers next to us, you know. Um, I've done one of them. I've done a shed. <laughs> I've done a shed and I ran an extension cord out to it. If that makes you feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we do that. We find jobs um, up here and um, none of them really lasted long, you know, in and out, uh, being sick, uh, calling in, you know, leaving early, whatever the reasoning is, you know. Um, and then, uh, let me think a minute. <sighs> what year was it when you came back from college? 2012. 2012. Okay. That's what I was trying to think. Did you do um, any doctor shopping back then? I didn't, but I had friends that did the whole drive down to Florida thing. Do you know a girl named Tori? No. Okay, because <laughs> I did one girl from Ohio, from Columbus. She's been on a couple episodes ago. Um, her and her husband used to drive from Columbus to Florida six times a month. See, that's so cr- I couldn't believe when, like, I think I was too scared to do it, like, myself. Yeah. But, like, I had a friend that would do it, and I was like, that's so crazy. That's so. And they, he even told, like, said that they had signs <laughs> on the highway that said, go home, pillbillies. Like, they yeah. just, they knew what everybody was going down there for. Oh, and- yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, if you make you feel even better, you know, you're doing your three-hour drives on the weekends, you know, to get them. Because, um, like, I thought, you know, I was doing two hours each way from PA to Jersey four times a week for the last, like, two, three years of my addiction. Yeah. So, when she told me that, I'm like, that makes me feel better because mine <laughs> was out of control. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Uh, so, so you guys were in and out of jobs too when you came back and how how long did you live at your mom's laundry room uh, well when we were living in the laundry room my brother his girlfriend and my nephew were living they had a room upstairs we were there, we were in the laundry room a couple months, and then my brother and his family ended up getting their own place, so then we acquired a bedroom, we moved up, so uh, then we lived there, oh my gosh, we, I wouldn't even count, like, any of the places we had, like, in between, like, we mainly lived with my parents for like the whole time we had our own spots like here and there but they we didn't even make it through a year lease you know what i mean so yeah um like if my parents moved we moved with them um but uh 2012 2013 when we had just moved back up here and all that uh that's when um i really noticed like it really being a problem because like I said being in and out of jobs and he wasn't in Michael wasn't in school anymore so he wasn't receiving uh the GI bill payment and uh that's $900 a month that was like gone and uh this is when I really noticed like 
how much money we were spending and like really like this is a really big problem but i still didn't care you know yeah i knew it was a problem i didn't care um this is when uh, my family started to know that i was they thought i was just like dabbling with painkillers yeah, I mean, I mean, how were you like always a like a tiny girl, or did you get skinny from like? Because like in that I picture, was always skinny, but not like that skinny. Yeah. Okay. All right, that makes sense. All right. When I got to like that skinny, um, you know what? I think people knew there was a problem, but nobody wanted to say anything to me because, I mean, like at sometimes they don't want to hear the answer. I mean, and I just bullshit my way out of it anyway, so. Um, when I, I started to notice how big the problem was getting, um, that's when uh, we started to argue a lot more. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, like, Michael was the only person that did this type of stuff because I did the same type of thing to him. Um like verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive, um, financially abusive. You know what I mean? Like we both did all those things to each other. And that's when, I mean, I did that with my marriage for at least two years. Um, and that's when uh, things started to get really bad. Like I said, we were fighting all the time, beating each other up all the time. Um, not holding jobs, um, and, um, in 2015 is when I was introduced to heroin, um, who introduced you? Uh, I had a friend get out of prison and he had offered it to me and I told him no. And then somebody offered me perk 30s and told me that they wanted $45 a piece for them. And that was like the most I had ever, you know what I mean? And that's when I was like, oh, absolutely not. And so I called the other guy who offered me the other stuff. And then um, with the other slot stuff, spending $20, $40 would get me and Michael high for the whole day, you know what I mean? When spending that much on one pill is not even enough just for me. I was going to say, yeah, one pill was like a joke when it's at that point. Like, yeah, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't anything. So that was, uh, that was a big deal. Um, when this guy got out of prison, um, I've known him for a long time. Like I've known this guy, like since I was in middle school at this time. Um, so he'd known me for almost, you know what I mean? A couple years of my life. And, um, he would let me get fronts all throughout the week, all week long front me all week long to where my debt was like $400. And then sometimes, I would pay him back at the end of the week and sometimes I wouldn't. And even if I wouldn't, he would just scratch it and then front me again all week. And then, you know what I mean? I'd usually pay him like, okay, well, hell yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a, um, 
yeah, obviously I got a really bad habit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I used to get fronts too. And I mean, so I know I used to have to pay double back for my fronts, like, you know, real high <laughs> price for whenever I was getting fronted. But because I was stuck with pills because I loved them so much. So I just kept getting fronts all the time. Um, so a really dangerous thing to have is that uh, when you can get fronts, you can get really, really far deep down the hole because like it makes it a lot easier to always have a supply. It's not something that scarcity is not something on your mind. Like, so this dude's front you all the time, like, and obviously you're just keep using. So like, all right, that's where we're at. Uh, so like I said, um, me and Michael were still together, but it was very, very toxic. And uh, when we started doing heroin, we weren't together very much longer after that. Um, because uh, things just got too bad. And um, that's, um, I can mention this. Um, this is the first time Michael, like we have fought each other, but Michael actually closed fist, like punched me in the face when I was driving on the highway. And uh, that was kind of when I broke away from him. Uh, so can I ask like what led up to that? Because that's like a big deal to jump up to like close fist while you're driving on the highway. Like arguing. Over, over like you had drugs or, and you weren't sharing or like, like that's what they usually like couples like you know one's sick and the other one's not magically sick and you're like how are you not sick and i'm sick yeah. this is bullshit you should be sick too you holding out on me do you have any did you right fuck you know it's like all <laughs> these like things you know i feel like i come out in an argument between couples that use together because like i'm their stranger it's like getting high with a significant other and knowing like the arguments that ensue yeah his this argument actually i can say <laughs> that i didn't do anything wrong michael was intoxicated very intoxicated like, like drinking yeah okay and to the point where he the bouncers at this bar threw him out like out into the street and they cracked his head open he had to go get staples in his head like they just he got thrown out of the bar and uh, I went to go pick him up and stuff, and he was just belligerent, and he was fighting with me. The argument started because I was supposed to be at that bar and wasn't supposed to let that happen to him. So he fought with me about that, and you know, and I was like, well, what the hell did you want me to do? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you're so, a grown adult. What are you going to actually do? Like, Right. So it was just one of those pointless arguments where he was just belligerent, drunk, and kept going on. And then actually, like, I was driving and letting him, you know, run his mouth. And then I don't even remember. He kept going, and I was just silent. And he said something. And I finally turned my head, and I said something back. I don't remember what it was, but after that, I was looked back forward, and that's when he hit me. And I, my head hit like the seatbelt thing and I just turned and looked back at him and I said, did you just punch me? And he goes, 
yeah, I did, you dumb bitch. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, no way. And I tried to call 911, and he, like, stopped me from calling 911. And I was like, you know, that's a felony, like, from preventing me from calling for help. Like, we're on the side of the highway, like, arguing like this. And so then... Middle of the know, day? Middle of the day, I just need a time of day reference of how much, like, attention. No, it, it would have been better. Funnier if it was the middle of the day, but it was, okay. like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So, but you're more noticeable to cars going by. I mean, you know, if in the middle of the day, you're just, like, somebody could be taking a piss out of the car, you know, right. on a road trip. But at night, you know, you're arguing like that, like, a cop is going to stop. Oh, <laughs> a cop yeah. is going to stop if he sees a car on the side of the road. And two yeah. people on the side of okay. So is that what happened? The cops finally just Nope. Happened. Um, so he wouldn't let me call nine one one for help, but he let me call my mom. <laughs> so I continued driving and uh I'm telling my mom like what's going on and uh she's like, I'm calling the cops and I'm like, No, like when I get to Tiffin, I'm just going to the police department. I told him, I'm going to the police department. I don't care. I'm dropping you off there. So, like I said, when he got thrown out of the bar, the, they busted his head open. Well, we get back um, to Tiffin, and I'm like, I'm just tired. He punched me in the face, dude. I had a rocking headache. I was like, you know... I just want to go to bed. I was like, but you're sleeping in the car. And I made him sleep in the car. And I went upstairs and I went to bed. And the next morning I woke up and he was knocking on my bedroom door telling me, Ashley, it's so hot out in the car. <laughs> I was like, you can sleep on the floor. So I let him sleep on the floor while I seen his head, how bad his head was bleeding. I ended up having to take him to the hospital and he had to get like six staples in his head because his head, he had a hole in it. And after that, like we got back from the hospital, um, I didn't even have to say anything to him. He just started packing his shit and he left and went to his mom's house. And uh, after that, like we were together and you know what I mean? Like I was sleeping with other people. I'm, I'm sure he was sleeping with other people. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just like, I think it was just really hard for both of us to just let go totally. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, you would I mean, still talk, but like, not like you used to. Right. And, uh, then finally, um, I met somebody who was on Suboxone, and uh, so I decided I was going to get off dope and uh, get on Suboxone. Uh, wasn't really messing with Michael, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to get clean, whatever. Didn't know shit about Suboxone, like about like the withdrawals and shit, you know what I mean, from it. So I know what you mean. I, uh, this girl, she's like, you know, she's prescribed whatever amount a day and doesn't do her full amount. So, you know, I'll buy off the street, you know what I mean? From her. Yeah. So I start doing subs and, uh, 
I'm doing okay. You know, like I would buy one uh, of the eight milligram strips and I'd cut it up into like probably like four or five pieces and it would, you know, do a piece like every day. And, and, you know, I thought I was doing okay. And I did that for like a month, maybe. And uh, then I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm done with the Suboxone. That's it. So, uh, I, um, back up just a sec. I have a job. I got a job. I have a job and, uh, it's at this hotel and I'm, I clean hotel rooms, just housekeeping, you know? And, uh, so when I got the job there, I was using, and I told my, the boss that, you know, I was in recovery and blah, blah, blah. Cause I wouldn't go to work high. I, you know what I mean? I'd have just a little bit to get right in the morning, not be high, just be right, go to work, get my stuff done and then get high. So as far as they knew, I didn't do drugs. Uh, so I told her that I was on Suboxone and she didn't know I bought it off the street. She thought I got it from a doctor. Um, and then I tell her, you know, I'm done with that. And so I'm going to get off Suboxone, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I go to work and like, it's not so bad. Like I remember like not feeling too bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, I'm trying to think how, what I want to say, like the being sick, like the vomiting or like shitting and that, like, I didn't really have that, but like the mental part, like the anxiety, the not sleeping, the restlessness, like that's what I really, really had. And after three weeks, I still felt anxious and restless from coming off the Suboxone. And uh, I can remember uh, telling my boss, like, yeah, I feel better, you know what I mean? Because I ended up going out and buying dope because I didn't want to feel like that anymore. After three weeks, being restless and not sleeping, and at this time I didn't have health insurance, so I couldn't go to a doctor and, like, you know what I mean? Get any type of sleeping medication or anything and anything over the counter really wasn't going to work unless I overdosed on it. Yeah. Subs make it way worse. I mean, and like, you know, I, I understand people need to go on it for a while and I understand that's what they want to do. And yeah. it's, it's better than doing pills and it's better than doing dope. Absolutely. And, um, I just think they overprescribe it. You know, yeah. I, I've seen people prescribed it and they get like, three subs a day i'm like that's i'd be sick you, like, that's pretty, you know why why do you have that many subs why do you need even two why do you even want you need maybe a quarter of one like i was like you were like i would break them into small pieces mm -hmm. to try to make them last because it would give me relief but like when i went to rehab i was refusing that shit i was like no i'm not you're not giving me that i'll take the gabapentin because i get restless legs so i'll take the yeah. gabapentin and within three weeks of that, I weaned myself down to only taking it um, at night. And then within two weeks, I only took it if I felt restless, you know? Yeah. So, but like, I did not want to get, have any more medications. It was already like enough. I, that's why I'm yeah. here. Like, stop. I don't want to take Suboxone. There was a girl at my rehab for Suboxone because of the year before she was there for heroin and had to come back to get off the subs that they gave her. Yeah. 
you know so it's you know ridiculous uh, i heard a lot of this the boxing doctors are like ex-pill mill doctors they yep, like just convert they're cash, they're cash yep. doctors yep. yeah i actually right. um my uh sponsor is actually a suboxone prescriber and uh she takes uh medicaid and um i like the way she does it because i mean obviously she doesn't accept cash as payment you know what i mean and um she does it the way you should do it like you know okay this is the plan like we have a plan this is how long we're gonna do it we're gonna start to taper you you know what i mean like you're not gonna be on it for an extended period of time yeah exactly that's how it needs to be because there's so many people that you find like i just saw somebody like post about like oh yeah this is ridiculous my sub doctor is like is closing down and they only gave me two months worth of a script and told me to go find somebody new what you know this is illegal i'm like what like two months worth of of subs like it's been five years you've been on them maybe think about just like tapering with those two months and just like not making it a lifetime medicine you know because the quality of life is much better without them i understand that people need them to get off like with the cravings and whatever but like quality of life with nothing and like not tied to a medication all day long like i got my blood pressure yeah you know i get it but like you know those kind of medications it's been amazing um so you went back to heroin obviously because you realized why would i be on suboxone well, like at least with heroin i get the high yep yeah and, uh, i can sleep um i'm not anxious <laughs> back to the anxiety yeah uh so but when I started getting high again, um, I like I said, I was trying to be real discreet about it. So I wasn't, and I didn't have a tolerance anymore. So doing just little bits, I was okay. But that didn't last very long. <laughs> um, uh, it got to the point where, like I said, I was working at the hotel. Um, I get a paycheck on Friday and it would be gone, I mean, Friday. As soon as I got it, the whole paycheck, gone. I have nothing to show for it. Uh, can, I, can I ask, was it repaying fronts? Like, I would, get, I would get paid on Tuesdays, and every Tuesday, my check would basically be gone. I would go to the bank, cash it, and then I would go to another bank that was my dealers, and I would just deposit the cash straight into his account because I would owe him <laughs> money. You know, I would basically Sometimes. just, I will check like towards the end that's how it was that's how bad right. it was for the last few months of my addiction was like i would just owe thousands of dollars every week like and actually when i went to rehab i called my dealer before i went out to say hey man like um i know i owe you eighteen hundred dollars but like i gotta go to rehab or i'm gonna kill myself and he was like well if i ever hear from you again you owe me the money if i don't hear from you you don't owe me the money okay said, deal <laughs> you know yeah. so i got lucky with that you know but uh all right so go on now you're like doing it you're like basically you're trying to moderate your addiction is what it sounds I think like I'm you're, moderating it. yeah you're trying that's what i said trying <laughs> so um then um my grandma has a sister um who's married but never had children and they own a lot of farmland well uh they both end up passing away 
So um, my grandma and the other six siblings each inherited half a million dollars. So my grandma, being a grandma who loves her only granddaughter, who's also the baby, believes everything that comes out of this baby's mouth, goes out and buys her a car, which I did, need a car, okay, cool, buys me a car. After that, you know, I need money for whatever, I don't know. Oh, my tire blew up, grandma gave me money for a tire. I probably bought a tire, bought a tire five different times and never even needed to buy, you know what I mean? Like, and how, much, how much were these tires? $800? Like, these are the special kind of tires I need. These are the, <laughs> like 200, 250, you know, um, the labor, the labor's expensive. It's a heavy machine to lift that car, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I get, um, people start to hear that, you know, I have access to all this money. And, uh, so I, um, get introduced to the plug and where I'm getting stuff for way cheaper. You know what I mean? So I'm buying more, but it's even better too. So I'm doing more and my tolerance is going up and I, you know, like, were you even working at this point ever since, like, you got, like, that, like, little kind of inheritance? Did you yep, still work? Yeah, I still worked okay. at the hotel. I still worked at the hotel. Um, but, like I said, I, I worked at the hotel. I got paychecks. My paychecks were, like, three, $400 maybe gone in a day. Um, so that, when I got to that point where my paychecks were gone in a day, and that's uh, when the inheritance came into play as well. Um, I was doing three grams of heroin a day, which that was about $300 for me. Um, Were you sniffing or shooting? Yeah, I was always a snorter. I, yeah. like, I don't know why. I was, addicted to the, I was addicted to the ritual of snorting. See, that's like, that's why I say, and I don't know why, because like, I've snorted Tylenol before, like, just to make myself think like I was doing something and I was going to feel better. Like it was just, I don't know. And yep. I thought it tasted good, maybe. I don't know. So, uh, when my grandma got this inheritance, you know, I would literally, um, call her, um, and be like, hey, me and my friends want to go to Cedar Point today. I need $500. She'd be like, okay, come get it. And it's like, this is serious. Like, that's on Monday. And then Tuesday, I'm calling, hey, we want to go to the zoo. I need $300. Okay, come get it. Like, and like, people would be like, are you serious? Like, she get, and I'm like, yeah, dude, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, that lasted like i said she bought me a car and you know i was working and because when do your cousins notice you know or not you know what i mean when do the other ones notice that got like because like if if like my cousin was like collecting a bunch of money from like my grandmom we would take notice of that 
Well, my grandma felt bad and she knew she was giving me a lot of money. And um, with her money, she also bought my parents a house. So for like, and my dad has a brother. So for the amount of what she spent on the house, she gave that to my dad's brother. And then, you know, I forget how much she gave each of us. You know what I mean? There's four of us grandkids, but she ended up giving the other three, like, some amount. You know what I mean? Because she knew she'd give me money all the time. That makes sense. Okay. So there was, they were all being fed. Oh, yeah. They were all being taken care of. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So you're just like. Every day you have a new reason to find money. Oh, yeah. I have okay. it made. And, For how long now? Um, I thought I had it made. Um, so she bought me this out. car, huh? Yeah. I was going to say, that has to run out, though. That has to dry up at some point. <laughs> so what? So uh, I have my car, and, you know, most people who do drugs don't have license or car, so everybody rides with me because um, I have the car. Um, well, I would, I drove, um, 20 minutes outside of my town to go cop. That's where we got our dope from. So I was over in that town hanging out for the day and, uh, I drove myself over there and I can remember this day, um, I woke up and the dope man wasn't going to be around for a couple hours or something like that but I ended up eating Xanax in the morning and then did my usual you know three grams of heroin throughout the day on I also smoked weed are Um, you awake (laughs) I don't know I was like blacked out um for a lot of my life (laughs) okay so I can remember doing all that, and then, uh, like I said, I'm 20 minutes away in this other town, and um, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm at my friend's house, and we're smoking, and I can remember nodding out on the counter, and he's like, I'm not going to let you drive home, Ashley. Give me your keys. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm a grown-up. I'm going to drive myself home. So I fucking get in my car. And I'm driving, and um, I don't remember any of this. Um, I mu- just must have been so fucked up. I kept nodding out and, like, just forgetting where I was at. So, like, uh, I end up um, falling out and going over the center line, and I wake up going through a field, and I'm so fucked up that I can remember opening my eyes and realizing I'm going through a field, but I'm so fucked up, I just fall right back out. Um, I ended up going over another road and crashed my car um, in a ditch. And it was one of like the big, deep ditches. And my car was a Chevy Cobalt. And it straddled this ditch like perfect. And I woke up when the airbag hit me. And the first thing I thought was, Oh, fuck, man. I got a bag of weed. So, I uh, hop out my car and I take this bag of weed and I'm gonna tuck it, you know? (laughs) And the first person I call is my my friend whose house I just left. Because I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where the hell I am at. 
And I call him and he's like, do you, I have AAA. Do you want me to call a tow truck? And I'm like, no, I don't think we can do that. Like, come pick me up. I'm going to say somebody stole my car. And he's like, Ashley, you can't. I'm not going to help you do that, dude. Like, do you want me to call a tow truck? And I'm like, no. If you call a tow truck, the cops get caught. So, no. That's not not even true. true. (laughs) So, the next person I called was my mother. (laughs) And I said, I just wrecked my car. I need somebody to come pick me up. (laughs) And she said... Ashley, do you realize what time it is? And it was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I said, no. She's like, I'm, nobody's going to come pick you up. Um, you need to call the cops right now or I'm, or I'm going to call the cops. I was like, oh, God. So I called the cops on myself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I got scared about this bag of weed, you know, <laughs> so... I throw it in the field and I'm sitting there waiting, you know, and this cop shows up or well, the sheriff shows up. Right. So like I said, I was trying to get back home to Tiffin from 20 minutes away. I ended up in like a whole different town, like the opposite way. Like I said, I was just so fucked up. I just like was not, you know, and I had no idea where I was like, <laughs> So uh, when I when I called the cops to tell them where I was, I was like, uh, there was a street sign like half a block down. I ran to it and I was like, I'm on the corner of whatever it was. That's how they came to find me. And uh, that's I told my mom what intersection or the corner I was near. So when the cop got there, I don't why I I don't really remember the cop getting there. I can remember being in the back seat of the sheriff's vehicle. And he told me what his name was. And he said that he was one of three sheriffs trained in my county to know when people are under the influence of opiates. And they're part of like this opiate task force. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't do opiates. I was like, I just do Xanax. I'm so sloppy in the back seat of this sheriff car. I and my dad and my brother ended up driving out there, um, you know, to make sure I'm okay, see what's going on. And when I'm telling the sheriff this, he's like, "Listen, he's, you don't look like this just on Xanax." He said, "I'm gonna need a blood sample from you," and I said, "The fuck you do." And he said, well, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take you to jail and I'm going to hold you and I'm, I'm going to get a warrant for your blood. And that's when I seen my dad. My dad was like, I think you better just do it, Ashley. And so I don't ever remember giving permission or anything, but I woke up. Next thing I remember, I'm in the back of an ambulance and they're taking my blood and uh, the sheriff's talking to me. And I can remember this. He said, by the time when you go to court, I am not going to have your blood sample back. So you better hope you can pass a drug test that day. And you just plead guilty. And I was like, okay. So I go to court. Well, before court, okay, I'm going to pass a drug test, right? (laughs) 
everybody's like, they're not going to drug test you. They're not going to drug test you. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. They're not going to drug test me at court for an OVI crash in my car. So I start getting high. I don't, I, I didn't get high for like two days. So I'm getting high all the way up to court. So I go to court and they want to drug test me. Okay. (laughs) So when I go take this drug test, I should fail for Xanax, heroin, whatever, you know, fentanyl. I don't know, whatever it is. Weed, probably other shit. I pee in this cup at court. I only fail for Xanax. I don't know what happened. So they put me on non-reporting probation. Hell yeah. I get to keep getting high. So um, they tell me I got to go get a drug and alcohol assessment. You know what I mean? Like an outpatient place and non-reporting probation. So I go to this outpatient place. And I blow so much smoke off this dude's ass. I take somebody else's piss with me, duh, because they don't watch you go. This guy signs me off after two visits. He's like, you know what? I don't know why you're here. I don't think you're a drug addict. Like, you're right. Get that signature. Oh, and I had to go do the, I don't know how it is like in other states. Um, Like when you get an OVI, DUI, whatever, um, You can either go sit three days in jail or pay like $400 and go take this class for a weekend at a hotel. So my granny had money. You know, I wasn't going to go sit in jail. I did that class. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I go do this class and uh, I, (laughs) this is funny. I'm obviously a drug addict. I go to take this class and it's from Thursday until Sunday. So I'm like, like I told you, I was doing $300 of heroin a day. You don't know how much I thought was okay to bring with me for four days. How much heroin did you bring with you? (laughs) I grabbed one gram of heroin was going to last me four days, so... I'm getting ready to go to this hotel, right? And uh, just like just like those couple of thirties lasted you, you back know? when you moved. So uh, I'm getting ready to go um, to this hotel, and I'm like, I'm being greedy, so I'm like, I want to do a little bit more before I go in. And I got my two friends with me um, to drop me off. I pull out my piece of paper because I just keep it in one folded up piece of paper, right? So I'm sitting in the car and I open it up and uh, somebody opens up the car door and it blowed away in the wind. And I started crying real tears and I was like, guys, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? And this was on a Thursday. I made it until... Saturday morning at this class at this hotel and I'm in a room full of like 50 people I get so sick in this class that I'm literally laying on the floor in the fetal position in the front row of all these people trying to tell them that I'm sick like this because I'm dehydrated 
I wasn't going to be like, guys, I'm dope sick. You know? Well, you know, a lot of them are in that class because they've been dope sick before, too. Well, listen, I thought, like, because everybody had to, like, tell their, re- like, what got you into this class. Yeah. Unless I'm the only one that was honest, I am the only person out of all those people that said they got an OVI for drugs. Everybody else was alcohol. Okay. All right. I'll give you that then. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> So I um, tell them, you know, I'm sick, I'm tired, I gotta leave, I got to go. And they're like, well, they actually hooked me up because usually they're like, you know, we, you gotta repay the full amount if you wanna come back and take this class. And uh, they're like, we'll just, if you reschedule, you know, we'll just charge you, like I forget what it was, like $60 or something for your meals for the weekend. I'm like, cool, whatever. So I leave and uh, I can remember uh, calling the dope man and uh, a half gram was $60 and I had 40 and I called him and told him like everything that just happened, how sick I was, I'm already dry heaving and going to the bath like it's getting bad. And he said, sorry, can't do nothing for you get another 20 bucks and hung up on me. And I was like, okay. So I got my ride on the way to come get me, right? <laughs> they gonna pick me up and uh, I uh, was so sick, I ended up going to the bathroom in my pants on my way, <laughs> leaving the hotel and uh, I called and lied, obviously, and told him I got another 20 bucks, and I still only had my 40, and wadded it up real small and crumpled it up, and ran up to meet this guy while I had shitty pants on and ripped him off 20 bucks, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, two weeks after that is when I went back and redid the class, and I went totally prepared that time. <laughs> What does that mean, totally prepared? Uh, took more than enough with me. I knew I, it was going to be more than enough. Um, I wasn't dumb and had my stuff <laughs> in the car where it was going to blow away. Uh, yeah. So I did that class, did the assessment, and like I said, I was on non-reporting probation. Uh, after all that gets completed, they're supposed to like send it some your probation officer or whatever, I don't know. And uh, so I'm not hearing anything from these probation officers. And um, so then I, finally I call them and I'm like, hey, did you get this paper and blah, 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 you know? And they're like, no, I didn't. And they're like, and I was like, well, I have a copy at my house. And they're like, can you bring it to us? I'm like, well, you know, I'm on my way to work right now. And they're like, well, it'll just be real quick. It'll only take 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay. So I am go up there at this fucking piece of paper and shit. And uh, she turns around and looks at me and was like, I hope you got to pee. And I was like, um, I mean, I really didn't have to pee. Like, I literally just told you I was on my way to work. But I mean, hell no, I wasn't <laughs> trying to pee for you. So she said, okay, what time do you got to be to work? I said, 8.30. She said, uh, what time do you get off? And I said, uh, four. 
And she said, okay, you be here at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And I was like, oh, shit. So. Because uh, they watch you. Oh, yeah. They, they watch stare you. right hey. at it. Oh, hey, yeah. Front row. So, uh, <laughs> this is when things were getting real good, you know? Uh, so I come home and I'm freaking out. And, um,. I tell my mom, you know, I gotta, like, this happened. And uh, I try to lie to my mom and tell her, you know, I'm gonna fail for weed. I'm gonna fail for weed. And, like, my mom loves me, so she doesn't want me to get in trouble. She goes out and spends money getting me a detox drink, some pills, like, whatever. And uh, I go out, because um, I had money from my grandma, and bought the... $20 peacups with opiates on it. And uh, I bought like four of them, I think. And uh, I woke up at five o'clock the next day because I'm about to drink water, you know, do all this. I'm not getting in trouble. So, you know, I drink the detox drink, whatever it says. I had to like drink the drink and then like two more of water or something. And then I take these pills and I remember, like, I'm chugging so much water that, like, I'm throwing up. And uh, I'm pissing in this cup, and I'm not clean. It's, like, it's not it's not even getting faint. Like, it is solid. It's there. So it's getting to where it's about 8 o'clock, okay? And I'm, like, thinking, you know, I can either not go and get a warrant no matter what or go fucking see what the fuck happens dude so and i don't know have you ever done a detox drink no i always either use somebody's piss or i just said fuck it, i'm gonna fail okay so like, well, when you drink detox drinks they make your piss like neon yellow or neon green like like, motherfuckers know you drink a detox drink. So I go there, and I piss in this cup for this lady. <laughs> it's all weird colored. And she just turns around and looks at me. And I was just like, I'm dirty for heroin, right? And she was like, yep. She's like, how often do you use? And I said, well... How many heroin addicts do you know that don't use daily? She was like, okay. She's like, well, I'm going to give you two options. I can send you to the jail to detox, or I can let you go home and detox. I said, I'm going to go home and detox. She said, is your detox going to be bad? Because if it's going to be bad, I'm definitely recommending jail. Oh, I knew my detox was going to be bad, but I wasn't about to go detox in jail. So I was like, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> I never, ever had totally, you know what I mean, like, gone through it. Like I said, like, before, I'd make it a couple days or then I And I'd you were using stop. subs. Yeah. Right. So. so I come home, you know, and uh, first night. That night, um, I can remember it was a Thursday that happened. I got high that day. I got high Friday. 
and Friday, um, the next day I had to go see the judge too. They had to go see the judge so they could, you know what I mean? Put it on record. Like, Hey, this is what's happening. You know what I mean? She's going to go home and detox, blah, blah, blah. So I got high that Friday and I got high Saturday and Sunday. I was like, I'm done. That's it. I went cold Turkey. Um, and the first day wasn't so bad. Um, the next day, uh, I had a friend stay with me. Um, and my friend ended up getting up and leaving in the middle of the night because I, that's when I started to get like really restless. And, uh, I remember I took like eight baths that night and my mom ended up yelling at me for taking so many baths. And so the next day, um, is I ended up eating a bunch of Seroquel and just slept for like two days. And after that, when I woke up, uh, I was really, really, really sick. Um, vomiting, diarrhea, everything, all of that. Um, and I was sick at home like that. Um, like really sick with the vomiting and stuff for like four days. Um, and it got so bad to where like I was dry heaving or just throwing up the stomach bile. And, uh, my mom actually was like, I'm going to take you to the ER. Um, you've been sick. You know what I mean? For days, like this can't be good. It actually got to the point where, um, my muscles were shutting down. Uh, I, I can remember I was trying to walk into the living room and like my legs just like locked up, like literally. Um, I tried to sign paperwork for my POs and my hands like were stuck. Like, that's when you were down, was, you know what I mean? When you were down like a hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so when my mom took me to the ER, I was like, you know, they're not going to do nothing. I'm a junkie. They're going to like, give me fluids, send me home, wasting time. I got to the ER and, uh, I was admitted because. What, how I said, my muscles were shutting down. Um, my potassium was at a deathly low rate um, from vomiting um, and being dehydrated. Um, if your potassium goes below 2.5, like you could die. And when I got to the ER, my potassium was at 2.2. .2, and they hurried up and took me back like, I had no idea what was going on. You know what I mean? I was like, what the hell? Potassium. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some bananas. Like, is it that important? Like, who knew? It like throws off your heart rhythm and everything. Like, so I'm on a heart monitor. Um, they put two IVs in both of my arms um, with a potassium drip uh, with the saline. Uh, I was treated like a junkie at the hospital um the nurses barely checked on me uh doctors usually come in every morning and check on you the doctor came and seen me one time he didn't look at me nothing didn't he didn't want anything to do with me uh the only medication i received while i was in the hospital was uh nausea medicine and a cramping medication which they refused to give to me through an iv they gave it to me only through muscle shots uh so i was there for three days like that um and after that i got to go home 
and called my probation officer, you know, like, yeah, I did it. They're like, we didn't think you'd do it. You know what I mean? Like with how sick I was, you know what I mean? They're like either a, you were going to die or B you was just going to go get high. Like we didn't think she was going to do it. And I'm like, well, I can remember, uh, it was a Friday when I got, uh, out of the hospital and I was like, okay, you know, what do we do now? Like I was going to get on this Vivitrol shot and, uh, Vivitrol, uh, is a monthly injection you get, um, and it helps curb your cravings and all that. And if I would use, I, um, don't get high. So I'm like, you know, I need that shit. And they're like, well, uh, Monday was labor day. I was like, damn dude. So you got to come see us Tuesday and you can't just get the shot right away. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, you're just going to leave me out here all weekend. Like, what am I supposed to do? And, uh, I did it. I just, stayed at home, spent time with my family. Um, after that, um, got into my outpatient Vivitrol, uh, did all that. And at that time I went to meetings. I was going to say, when did, when did you start with the meetings? Cause usually when you get a Vivitrol shot, they like, I have a sponsee who has a, you know, a Vivitrol shot. So I know that they check up on him, like, you know, and usually they call him when we're like hanging out because like now we run errands together and shit, you know, um, go food shopping and all that, like early grocery shopping, you know what I mean? For the meeting center that I run. So like, I know he gets phone calls from them and he's like, oh yeah, I'm with my sponsor now, you know? So is that how it was for you too? Um, not the first time around, no. They never asked for proof of meetings. Uh, at that time, they just needed to know I was doing like the IOP and aftercare and getting the shot because my shot was at the counseling center place. Uh, so meetings weren't required through them. Um, I kind of just went to him because I thought that just what made me look good at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I go to meetings too. You know what I mean? I sat in the back. I didn't engage in any conversation. I was watching the clock the whole time. I was late. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I did all right. You know what I mean? Um, but I think... I don't really, I can't really tell you besides Vivitrol, what kept me sober that time. Um, because I lasted for 15 months on Vivitrol, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, uh, I stopped getting Vivitrol and relapsed quickly, but what was the relapse? Like, was it that, were you with somebody were you, or did um, you get a phone call from someone that said, Hey, do you, I have stuff. You know what? Uh, you know, with all the good choices I like to make, I was dating somebody who was an active user. So, you know, I watched, he got high all the time. You know what I mean? And I was fine, but I was on Vivitrol and, uh, I got off Vivitrol and, uh, 
you know what? I wasn't even with him when I re- like we were dating, but I wasn't like physically with him when I relapsed. I actually went out and relapsed on Percocets, and uh, I came home and uh, he was like, "I, you're high. I can tell you're high," and uh, obviously because he gets high, you know. So I ended up being honest with him, and I was like, and you know what? Like, I'm pissed off because, I mean, obviously I'd done heroin, so, like, getting high on heroin and getting high on pills are two totally different highs. So I was like, I'm pissed off, honestly, because I'm not even high like I want to be. For the money I spent, I should be way higher. So, uh, you know, he gave me some of his dope. And, uh... I, I, I was scared, you know what I mean, to do heroin because, you know, fentanyl and all that, you know. So I can remember I did just a little tiny, little tiniest bit. And like, like I said, I had been sober for 15 months and like dope was totally different from when I was doing it. You know what I mean? Like just the little tiny bit I did like. I was, like, throwing up, like, you know what I mean? Like, too much, like, throwing up. Yeah. And, uh, actually, after that, during that relapse, um, it was a couple days after that, um, is when I overdosed for my first time. Um, I had been sober for how long, you know what I mean? Recently relapsed and, uh, did Xanax, um, and then decided to do heroin as well. And, uh, I think I'm very lucky that the Narcan worked for me because I think a big part of the overdose was the Xanax. Um, cause I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't feel like I did that much heroin, but, uh, yeah. And it was weird because that day I had just been talking to my boyfriend about, my Narcan because like being in recovery before I had it you know what I mean so it was so weird that day we had been talking about where my Narcan was and uh I ended up you know I can remember watching tv and like nodding out and like that's what I always did was nod out but uh next thing next thing I remember is I'm rolled over on my side and he's smacking my back and I start throwing up in a trash can, like, right when my eyes opened. And that's when he told me, like, I just Narcan'd you. You just overdosed. And I was like, what? No, you didn't. He's like, I did, Ashley. And I was, he's like, I'm glad you told me where it was. Because, like, you know what I mean? And that didn't scare me, though. It scared me for, like, two days. <laughs> and I got high for a couple more days. And then got caught by my probation officer. And uh, thankfully got sent to treatment, inpatient treatment. Because um, like I said, I didn't do inpatient treatment before. No, this was my first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, you take the first time, yeah. So uh, I'm going to inpatient, and uh, the place I went to was a 90-day program. Uh, you know... It really wasn't that good of a place at all. It was pretty much just a building that kept me off of the streets away from drugs. Um, we were lucky if we ever had group. Um, they pretty much just pushed meds at you, you know, oh, you need it for this, this, whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, 
the most I got out of my inpatient treatment was from uh, this other girl who was in there. Um, she had clean time before and uh, was in AA. And uh, she had sponsored girls before. And uh, this is when I really got into AA, um, was being in there with her. Um, she'd sit down with me and do big book studies with me. Uh, so while I was in treatment, uh, this group called Ohio Can, um, it's a nonprofit. They would come out to the treatment center every Sunday and do big book studies with us girls. And uh, there's this lady, like, <clears throat> she was friendly to everybody. Her name was Dawn. I just loved her. So I was like, I'm going to ask her to be my sponsor. <laughs> so I go up and I ask her to be my sponsor. And she's like, when do you get out of here? I forget. I think I had like a month left or something. She's like, okay, you just get a hold of me. So, uh, finished up my 90 days there. I get out and I get back on Vivitrol. Uh, and I get with Dawn, you know, I start working my steps. Uh, they make me go back to IOP again for my second time. Um, so, but I went and did it at a different place cause, uh, this other place was a lot easier. You could get away with a lot more stuff. And it was at nighttime classes. And the other place was like super early in the morning. So um, I get out. Uh, I'm doing IOP again. I'm still on probation. Um, I have a sponsor now. Um, I'm meeting up with her. I'm doing staff work. Um, going to meetings. Um, starting to talk a little bit, you know what I mean? Meet people in the program and whatnot. And, uh, I was on Vivitraw and that lasted for about three months. Um, really didn't do it on purpose. Um, missed my appointment for my shot and uh, I didn't even realize it until they called me to be like hey do you want to reschedule and I, I even rescheduled uh, and I was with somebody at the time hanging out with somebody who was on Suboxone and uh, they heard me on the phone I don't know and uh, I can remember we were in his kitchen and he's like you know what I don't think I'm going to do my sub today why what do you mean you know what I mean and I would like I was talking out loud to him but I mean it's like I was talking to myself like you know that once you do it <laughs> but either way an hour later I was driving to go get some dope with him um and this time like dude, when they say like it don't get no better when you go back out like it don't get no better when you go back out because I was already dope sick and doing a gram to myself after two weeks. Um, in the shittiest motel in town, because it's cheap, paid for a week there so I could just sit in the room and get high because I had to hide out for my PO. Uh, I couldn't sit at my mom's house and get high like that. So, um, getting high, uh, at the motel and one day I woke up and I don't know what made me do it, but I called Dawn, my sponsor. 
And I said, you know, <laughs> not doing too good. And she's like, I know. Can I come pick you up? I was like, yeah. She come pick me up, you know. And uh, I had a little bit of dope with me. And uh, I took it with me. And I get in the car with my sponsor. And uh, she worked at a rehab at the time. And uh, she takes me to this rehab with her while I'm a mess. You know what I mean? Like, gone. I don't know why she took me there. She had me sit in the car. She had me sit in the car while she had to go in and help a client. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, I get high in her car while I'm waiting for, for her, right? <laughs> in a rehab parking lot. There's people outside looking at me. And I get so high that I got to throw up. So I get out of the car and I'm throwing up in the parking lot. And Dawn comes out and she's like, get in the car, get in the car. Like, oh my gosh. She didn't know I'd used in her car. But um, she ended up taking me to go get my nails done. We went to go get something to eat and she helped me set up detox. And two days later, I had a bed at detox. Um, I went to a detox facility which is about 40 minutes away from where I live. Uh, and I, they give you all the comfort meds there, you know what I mean? Um, but I, again, got really, really, really sick, like the first time I detoxed. And uh, even though I was in a detox facility, um, I couldn't keep anything down. Like, I needed IV fluids. <coughs> so I got, they called the squad from a detox facility. I was there for seven days. And they called the squad and I got taken to uh, the hospital. Um, my potassium was low again. Um, so I got the heart monitor and the whole nine. I was there for um, three days. And while I was there, I set up uh, sober living. I was like, you know, I'm getting out of Tiffin. I'm gonna do sober living up here. Fuck my probation officer. So. <laughs> I get this bed at this uh, sober living and uh, call my PO. I'm like, yeah, dog, I got this bed at the sober living. I'm not coming back to Tiffin. And she's like, well, you got a court date tomorrow, so you better hope you're there or I'll miss you in a warrant. And, uh, you know, I thought about it because I was a couple counties away. I was like, you know, I'll just take off and they ain't even going to come look for me. But I was talking to my mom about it, and she's like, no, you're going. So I go to court, and uh, I thought I was going to get away with it. You know what I mean? I didn't think I was going to go to jail or nothing because I went and got myself into detox. I did what I was supposed to do, right? Uh, no, they weren't having it. Uh, got my probation terminated. Um, I was referred to this new drug court in my county called Pivot, and I was sentenced to 60 days in jail. I'd never been to jail before. Um, surprisingly, I didn't cry. Um, the judge was a little bit nicer to me because I was already clean by the time I made it in front of him. Which is probably um, unusual. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, uh, 
but being referred to this drug court, um, I didn't have to sit the whole 60 days because it just depended how fast they got your paperwork done to get you in here. So I only sat 20 days and, uh, I think going to jail is what made a difference for me this time. Um, like I said, I never, I never been to jail before. Um, and, uh, Thankfully, my mom dropped off my medication to me so I could sleep while I was in there. Um, my mom came to visit me while I was in there. That was really hard. Um, calling home while I was in there was really hard. Um, my, I think my mom, I think I'd have my mom tell my sponsor, you know, what had happened. Like, because as far as she knew, she, I went to the sober living. I think I had my mom tell her, like, you know, she had court and then I went to jail and stuff. So. Anyways, uh, I get put on the drug court and I get out after 20 days. Um, they make you get on Vivitrol. And uh, to get on this drug court, um, you literally sign away, like, rights. Like, you, I forget what they are, but they can tell you, you can't talk to this person or be around this person. They can put no contact orders, like... They can do illegal search and seizure on me. I don't have the right to remain silent. I have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they uh, have this every single day. I got to call this number. And I got my own special pin I enter. And it says yes or no. If I got to drop. Yes or no. So I'm taking most of the time three, four drug tests a week and stuff. And it's like a super intense drug court. So... <clears throat> I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going back to jail. I'm doing what I got to do. And like I said, this is a super intense drug court. I'm doing all that, which you already don't get a life with how much stuff they have you do. But I was also contacting my sponsor, going to meet, you know what I mean? Like doing that and actually being serious about it this time, like dead ass serious. And I buckled down and was doing everything and more than I needed to and uh I breezed through this drug court uh it's a 14 month program um a lot of people don't even finish it in the 14 months uh it's a lot longer because I mean you do certain stuff you get extensions and you, you mess up you get sent yeah. to rehab or whatever like yeah I did what I needed to do and I completed it in 14 months and in that 14 months while I was in um drug court uh I got a job um at a gas station that would uh work with my counseling hours um with all the classes I had to do um after that um I got a job at a treatment center um, which was about 40 minutes from where I live. Uh, I got a job at a treatment center as a behavioral health tech, which was pretty much like a babysitter. Um, uh, take people, take the clients to meetings or whatever. Um, I completed my steps with my sponsor while I was on drug court. I began sponsoring girls of my own. Um, like I said, uh, my sponsor, I met her while I was in treatment 
and she worked with a nonprofit called Ohio Can. So uh, I started doing work with Ohio Cans, which is a a nonprofit, which is in several counties in Ohio, which help people in recovery or help people find recovery. Um, They uh, do support group meetings. Um, They make these things called blessing bags that they take to hospitals. And uh, when we put treatment information in there, like if somebody overdoses, the hospital can give it to them. Like there's hygiene stuff in there. Um, Ohio Can's really pro harm reduction. Uh, I also, it was while I was on drug court, I went and got trained to become a Narcan distributor myself. Um, I'm trying to think of what else Ohio Can does. Um, we're not affiliated with AA, but, um, the church basement that we have where we do our Ohio can stuff, we do do AA meetings down there. Um, we help people with transportation to treatment. Um, like I said, we put in the blessing bags, the resources for treatment centers, detoxes, homeless shelters, sober livings. Um, we help family members if they're raising like grandkids or anything, you know what I mean? Pretty much anybody whose life's been impacted by addiction. And Um, is there a website that I can put in the description? Well, you can just send it to me. Okay. How about that? Or how about, okay. How about that? I was going to go to our Facebook page. Yeah, it's fine. Give me whatever link and I'll put it in the description of the YouTube and whatever audio ones they're listening on. They can go to the description and they can click the link and go right to your website or Facebook. Awesome. Because obviously there's a bunch of people in Ohio I've talked to, so maybe there's a bunch of people in Ohio listening that could benefit yeah. from this. So we might be in their county. So, so so you haven't done any. So you've been good then. You've been doing good, and this is like, you still the Vivitrol shot. Yep. And in your next appointment, you're gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh and um so after jail and all that um one thing I was really honest with my sponsor about talking to her about was my anxiety like you've heard me talk about that several times um and talking about you know like how anxious oh snap I really get Hold on, let me go grab a charger. Oh no. All right. You good? Um, you can, if you can smoke that, if you're allowed to smoke where you're at, like, you don't have to feel bad about, like, uh, you've been, like, holding that for, like, an hour. If I could smoke in my office, I would have had four cigarettes by now. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, you're good. So, <laughs> you were talking about Ohio Ken. We talked about dropping the link. Um, and you were talking about when you got out of jail, like, I guess, maybe when you got, do- when did you get done with all of your... Yeah, that's a better question. When did you get done officially with, like, legal shit? Or are you still battling legal shit? Well, 
because you got two years clean sober you're doing good and like heck yeah uh okay so like i said the drug court was 14 months so i i had a special probation officer that was through the drug court so when i signed up for drug court they said when you're done with drug court you're done that's it no more papers and i was like sign me up well guess what while i was on drug court they changed it when you're done with drug court, you got to do a mandatory year of misdemeanor probation. So I graduated drug court uh, in December and uh, got put back on misdemeanor. So I've been doing the whole misdemeanor probation and uh, I'm off that December. I asked him, I was like, it's been a long time, guys. I said, do I get like a certificate of completion or something? <laughs> something for my wall. And she said. Yeah, I didn't graduate college and I need something for that 12 grand. <laughs> <laughs> they call me by my last name. So she's like, Schleter, no, I'm not going to give you a certificate. The best you're going to get is a letter. I was like, well, whatever. You can make your own. Have a little teddy bears and the border. <laughs> I deserve it, you know, but, uh, yeah. It's been a while since you've been like, you know, out of the system. Yeah. Uh, I got put in, in 2007, the beginning of 2017. So by then, yeah, it'll be, you know, it'll be coming up on the end of five years, four years. So almost the full five years. I told her, I was like, because I turned 30 October 1st. I was like, can you please just let me off probation before I turn 30? And she said, no, dude, I can't. I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. whatever. Worth a shot. It you was know, worth a shot. I'll yeah. take it. So. I'll be 35 on the 29th. So yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm right, by, I'm right by you with birthday-wise. Yeah. Um, the, my episode about me comes out on my birthday. Heck Yeah. I recorded that the other day with um, a guy that I interviewed um, a, back a while ago. Um, I interviewed him, and we had such a fun conversation that I was like, I need you to interview me because I don't want to talk by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we did it the other day, and we talked for like an, almost two hours and just went back and forth about my story this time. Yeah. Like, his story was like, you know, great. Like, he did seven and a half years at 19 years old. And because, like, he heard that this one dude was, like, touching girls inappropriately and shit. So, like, he was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fucking stab him in the neck. So he got a knife, and he was drunk, obviously. And he walked up, and he stabbed him twice in the neck. Completely doesn't remember any of it. Um, he's been told all this. You know, he was yeah. drunk and high on acid and shit. And so the guy was on um, his deathbed for, like, three months. And if the guy died, he would have got 25 years. If he lived, he got seven and a half. The guy ended up living, so he got seven and a half. And while he was in there, he made, like, he nobody touched him or heard him because he was good at drawing. So he was making everybody portraits. And then he okay. got into doing, like, coffee can art. Like, he was using instant coffee and, like, using paintbrushes and painting. I'm going to show you, you're not going to believe this was made like in prison cells with, you know, you know, but it is. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like the dude's like crazy, crazy talented. Dude. I wish I had some type of talent like that. He hasn't been able to paint since he got out of jail though. 
he hasn't been able to like do it again because it's all like it was from then right you know but yeah he had some crazy stories and so him and i talked for a while but like i've been loving doing this and getting to know people's stories because it makes me feel better about mine but also like you know everyone has like these different journeys and shit so it's been really cool to like see what other people have been through at different times right like you know all three girls from ohio all liked opiates let's be real but like all had different journeys on what you were doing right you know, so it's it's really like it's not funny to see. It's just interesting. I find it interesting, and it helps me stay sober. And I know for you, talking is therapeutically like it's it's a good thing to get the story out. It feels good. Oh, yeah. Do you speak at meetings yet? I gave my first AA lead um, right after uh, the main like before they started just like starting to mandate masks again and stuff um it was we didn't have to wear masks in the meeting I remember that it was just a couple months back I gave my first AA lead because um I do the 12 steps of AA but um a lot of my story consists of drug use so I didn't really want to like I spoke at my home group where everybody knew me you know what I mean so they already know but I don't feel right um, giving an AA lead when a, a lot of the old timers don't like when you talk about drugs. So, but I've no, spoke a lot at like That's cool. we have like all recovery type meetings, which yeah. aren't like AA or NA. It's like recovery yeah. support. You know, I've spoke there, and I actually um, work with this group out of Toledo, Ohio, called Fact. Um, they teamed up with some nurses from the ER and put together this mock overdose presentation. And I get to go into schools and scare kids. Um, they go in and they actually have like the gurney and everything. And they show three different scenarios of somebody overdosing. And um, one of them is uh, the person is dropped off at the hospital and just left. Um, the other one, the person ends up waking up and like asking for their mom and then like the last one the person doesn't make it and uh i get to speak as a person in recovery and uh then i have a friend who speaks she has a daughter who's in recovery so she speaks as a parent and then <clears throat> my friend ross speaks he actually lost both of his kids to overdoses within like three years of each other so it's like a really raw real a lot better than what we saw in school. A lot better than the shit we saw in school back yeah, in the day. Yeah, and that's what saying. I tell the kids, too. Like, you know, I'd rather hear it from somebody like me who did it versus, like, the teacher or the dare officer who's telling you, don't yeah, do drugs. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. You're an authority telling me I have to do something. I'm going to do it and find out why. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that's awesome that you're giving back like that because that does go a long way in your recovery. I mean... Just talking about it and just like putting in action, right. not just words and actually putting in action like that, that makes a big difference. Yeah. So I think that's is... like where I want to head like with my recovery career is like towards prevention, like getting in the schools because like I said, I mean, I started experimenting in the eighth grade, like, oh yeah. Those are the kids that I'd really like to go get talked to, like not even high school, like middle school. Yep. No, that's awesome. Thank you again. I'm gonna put like your links. Send them to me on on um 
Facebook, please, or whatever. Yeah. This way I can save and put them in there. Um, yours will be up sometime this week, I think, or next weekend or something like that. I have, like, eight already, like, ready to go and ready to, Hell like, yeah. so, like, but I still need, like, I think I need, like, two more. I'm looking at my schedule. Yeah, I need, like, two more days to fill in the rest of the month, but still, like, I have plenty of time. Like, it's only the 12th, and I already have, like, 22, I think, done. So, yep, I will let you know when it gets closer. All right, so, thank, thank you. Thank you again. Have a good day. Thanks. All right, bye-bye.